Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you joining us and letting us be part of your day. We're going to talk markets today with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. We're going to talk about what's going on on the in the pork sector with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns and Associates. And we're going to talk with Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation about some uh, information they are providing for dairy producers dealing with different uh, uh issues whether it be fires floods covid whatever it may be a lot of uh, a lot of challenges right now and we'll go through that information a little bit later on in the program lots going on but we want to get into a story that uh, well we don't know how much ramifications it may have but the world trade organization has ruled that the u.s broke its international commitments by circumventing the wto dispute system and putting uh, those tariffs on China in 2018. Let's bring in Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. How big a deal is this? Well, as far as any direct impact on U.S. trade with China or anything else, it really has no direct impact. What happened was, of course, when the U.S put those Section 301 tariffs on a uh, wide variety, a couple hundred uh, billion dollars worth of Chinese imports back in 2018. China brought a case to the World Trade Organization. And the crux of their case was saying, well, you know, not supposed to do this directly. You should go through the WTO process, bring a case, do it that way. Uh, Don't do direct uh, tariffs this way, um, violating you know, the most favored nation thing where you're supposed to treat all countries equally by singling out China. They had several claims. Well, you know, that's worked its way through the system of the WTO. And this was a panel decision. It's like the first level of decision. Um, Now, and they ruled this way against the U.S. In the WTO world, then, what would normally happen is the U.S. lost the case, and he couldn't lose the case, has the right to appeal. Uh, the case to the ultimate decision, the appellate body of the WTO. Well, that's no longer functioning. Um, There aren't enough judges to have a quorum to hear cases. The U.S. uh, has blocked the appointment of judges over the last year, so that ended its uh, role back in December. So there is no opportunity to appeal uh, to get this case heard again. So the panel decision kind of sits there. Uh, It can't go into effect. Um, there's no way for the China to use it uh, as a way for retaliation. So in a sense, the decision's there, but it's put off in a corner. Uh, it's pretty moot at this point. So, And also, events have overtaken what the Chinese started two years ago. The U.S. and China have a trade agreement. Uh, moving ahead with that, the Phase 1 agreement. Also, China already retaliated all those tariffs on agricultural exports and and other U.S. exports to China. So, yeah, it's a uh, decision, but it doesn't have a lot of meaning uh, at this point and probably never will have. 
So that's interesting. The WTO's appellate court is shut down because the United States has stopped approving or blocked approving approval of new appointments to the court. So leaving it basically ineffective, as you said, not much meaning to this ruling. So really, how when when you look at the WTO, just how much of an impact does it really have? How influential really is it then if you can if you can shut down a complaint process like this? Yeah, well, it, it all depends on on the complaint. Um, this is one obviously that was strongly contested, uh, and uh, neither side was going to rest with whatever the decision was. Now, an awful lot of what the WTO does and a lot of the cases the U.S. is involved with, you might say, aren't that contested. Things are brought to try to get. To a ultimate decision, but the real push of the WTO all along, and that's why these cases take so long, even if the process was done in perfect time, all the cases take a year to up to 18 months and uh, sometimes a lot longer, is meant for consultations and agreements. That's really what the WTO is about. It's only in, you know, the vote of, you know, cases that are where sides are really on opposite parts where they're using the WTO system to try to get to an ultimate decision that then they can use as a justification to put on things like retaliatory tariffs to really try to force a change in another country's policies. Um, but for the, the bulk of what the WTO system does, it, again, it doesn't come to this, to this end point. Parties usually end up finding a way to work together and work out the issues. So, you know, that part of the WTO system still works. Without an appellate body, though, the hard cases, you know, don't come to a final ending. But in this case, again, it's a, as I said, it's a little different because the parties, U.S. and China, have found a way to deal with it. You know, we came to this phase one agreement. Um, you know, China, in many cases now, even the initial retaliatory tariffs that they did put on, aren't enforcing them now because they need the trade. You know, they need our ag products. So they've quit enforcing a lot of their terror, their uh, retaliatory tariffs. So it tells you one way. You can go through the legal process, WTO, which works sometimes, or, which is the ultimate goal even of the WTO, let the parties work it out. And while it's contentious, the U.S. and China have found a way, at least for, <laughs> we hope for the time being and hopefully for the future, have found a way to work it out. Well, I guess the process does buy time for them both parties to work something out, but uh, I don't know, the time it gets worked out or through this system, it seems like you've almost forgotten what the original complaint was about sometimes. Uh, And, and, you know, a lot of people question the value of the WTO or should we be in it? Should we abide by their rules? I don't know. It seems like a lot of times in these complaints, uh, people or countries, parties don't abide by the rules and you got a way to kind of stall it your way through it anyway. Well, that's right. The rules are there, and, uh, you know, in the absence of rules, you wouldn't have these trade agreements that affect, you know, all 164 member countries uh, more or less equally. And, you know, most of the rules aren't contended and are, are pretty much abided by on a day-to-day basis. But you get a hard issue like this. The Section 301 process was controversial uh, here in the U.S. and, of course, uh, with, with the Chinese, obviously, and other countries. Uh, you had this administration took a different course than past administrations. You know, in the last several administrations, Republican or Democrat, uh, you know, with uh, WTO starting up in the mid-90s, rounded most of their trade issues through the WTO. 
they weren't using Section 301 uh, directly against other countries anywhere near as much as had been done in, in the pre-WTO times. Um, this administration came in and decided to use this specifically against China uh, for a lot of very good trade reasons, and uh, wanted to you know wanted to push the issues to change Chinese behavior. Well, a lot of the issues that the Section 301 tariffs were addressing on uh, cybersecurity, right. intellectual property, you know, weren't solved yet, but hopefully they will be worked on in, the, in a future U.S.-China trade agreement. It gets complicated. All right, thanks for kind of sorting it out for us, Dave. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Up next, Kearns & Associates economist Steve Meyer. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A toast to soil health. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Mike Steenhook, who is executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, uh, this week there was a ceremony kicking off the construction of barge loading and unloading terminal along the Missouri River. Tell us about the significance of this new terminal that will be built. This past Wednesday, there was a groundbreaking in the, the small town of Blencoe, Iowa. They had a groundbreaking for a new barge loading and unloading facility along the Missouri River. They have an intention of, of loading some degree of soybeans for the export market from that facility yet this November, December. You know, clearly, the construction progress will take a while, so it'll, things will occur in waves and in increments. But you know, the, the plan is to, is to be engaged in international marketing for this farmer-owned cooperative by shipping on the, the Missouri River. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by by, uh, Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns & Associates. Steve has kept us up to date uh, for the last uh, several months on what's going on in the pork sector with our in our packing plants and our demand and as far as our uh, uh, the hog market so we've got a lot to cover Steve uh, what's the very latest when we look at uh, how the plants are running at, at what are they still around 95 percent capacity any change there no uh, they're just about there matter of fact we had a little setback about 94.8 last week it's, it bumps around uh, um, but it's not bumping at a very large range here, Mike, from 94 to 97. And, you know, some weeks are a little better, some weeks are a little less. But uh, we're that 95% that we kind of uh, hypothesized back way back in April and May after we after I improved it from 90%, uh, it seems to be a good number. And uh, we're just not getting much over that. And, and also, we're not getting any big Saturdays so far uh, to try to make up here. So... Two six two six five is catching our million head is catching our slaughter most every week, and we think we're going to see a lot of that here uh, the rest of the year. Certainly a big improvement from where we were uh, several weeks ago, but still the challenge yeah. of working through the backlog, right? Yeah, still a challenge working through the backlog, and you know, and there's a, there's been a, a pretty lively debate about that, and I think really. Uh, the answer to is there a backlog depends on where you're standing. Um, if you're standing in the Midwest, the answer there is uh, not much. There's some, but not very many. Uh, if you're standing in North Carolina, there's quite a few. Um, uh, we've had anecdotal evidence of that, and we think that the, you know, the calculated backlog from the June hogs and pigs report to this point is about 1.3 million, and we think over a million of those are probably on the East Coast, and the rest are strung out around. And that, that kind of belies what happened in the cash market over the last week and a half when, you know, we had Packers chasing pigs, and we put over $10 on the cash market, on the spot market. Uh, again, I don't think it's a shortage of pigs. I think it's a shortage of pigs that are heavy enough, and that's getting solved. Uh, the Iowa-Minnesota live weights last week were up three pounds, um, the carcass weights are only up a little over a pound. I think you're going to see a significant increase in carcass weights this week on barrels and gilt, on producer sold barrels and gilts when it comes out Monday. Um, so I think we're going to start taking care of that problem and have more pigs market weight, and we're going to find out that there's plenty of pigs out there. Uh, that's kind of been my line all along. I guess I'm out on that limb now. I'm not going to come back. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think we're going to have quite a few hogs coming at us. As weather cools off and we start getting into some fresh corn and those kinds of things, which always drive weights up, I think it's going to happen in spades this year because we're also getting into some pigs that may have not ever been given any whole diets. Everything I'm hearing from the producers I talk to is that if a pig had been fed these whole diets, they don't seem to come off from them very well, uh, which was a bit of a surprise, I think, to most people. 
Yeah, because the story back during the summer was, you know, we were seeing the headlines of uh, producers having to euthanize pigs, and we also had the story, of course, of cooling those diets, idling those animals, and holding them as long as as they could. Are we past that then now? Well, I, I think we're past it in the short run, but if if I'm right and we start getting pigs growing faster, I think we're going to start running into some problems with backlogs again. I, you know, I've said all along, Mike, that once we get through September, we're going to start having more pigs. According to the June Hogs and Pigs Report, we're going to start having more pigs than we can kill again. And if they're growing well, then that that happens in spades. So. I'm guessing that we're going to see these whole diets come back into play here in the next month or so. Uh, all that could be off with the Hugs and Pigs report, which comes out a week from today, um, even though I still think it's going to show us with ample heavyweight uh, uh, inventories. We're talking with Kearns & Associates economist Steve Meyer. Uh, Steve, last time we talked, you pointed to the labor issue as a big challenge in the packing plants, being able to uh, keep labor, attract the workers to these plants. You still see that as a big issue moving forward? It, it's been a big issue for a long time, Mike, and it remains a big issue, and it's the issue in the Carolinas. I mean, they just can't get enough workers in the, in the, a couple of their plants out there to get them anywhere near capacity. And so, um, you know, it, it's going to be here for as long as, you know, I can see at the present time, especially without some kind of comprehensive immigration policy that, that uh, first and foremost, I mean, we've got something that talks about seasonal workers. Well, uh, seasonal workers is fine, but our workers aren't seasonal. They're year-round. And so any, any program that's aimed at seasonal workers really misses the boat when it comes to the pork industry and the pork packing sector. So um, the labor situation is going to be, um, you know, uh, load is with you always, I'm afraid, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, it has created a huge incentive to mechanize plants. Yeah, but that can't happen quickly either. I mean, there aren't very many suppliers of that, that machinery, um, and, and it takes a while to build it. Most of it is custom work. And so uh, even mechanization can't solve the labor problem, you know, within the next two or three or four years. I mean, it's going to take a lot longer to do. I think there will be a lot of mechanization, but um, it's going to take a while. So. The labor situation is big, and that's one of the things that concerns me this fall is because of the tight labor situation, you know, we can't run four Saturdays in a row of 350,000 head, uh, which we've done in the past on occasion. I just don't think that we can because um, uh, your your labor force, you don't have a labor force that uh, has enough new entrants into it to replace those that might not want to work that that way. And so I think you're going to have to be respectful of that. The last point is, you know, I'm really concerned that I've been hearing about plants that just aren't having people apply for jobs. And, you know, a lot of bad PR has been out there about packing plants and coronavirus. And so uh, if they're not applying, you can't hire somebody that doesn't apply. And so Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things on the labor thing that's really concerning to all right, let's look over at the uh, at the demand side. What are we seeing there for pork? Uh, very good, very good. And, of course, we caught a potential shot in the arm because of the African swine fever uh, discovery in Germany last week. Now, I don't think that shot in the arm is huge, and the reason I don't is uh, the, the EU, especially since that was in a wild boar, um, they will 
recognize Germany's, uh, you know, compartmentalization or regionalization plan, and they, the EU will take, still take product from Germany. So the tonnage that was going to China and Japan and Korea and other markets uh, will stay within the EU, and what that does is it creates uh, a bit of an excess in the EU, and it will cause Spain and the Netherlands and, and Denmark and others uh, to, to look to export more products. So they're going to pick up uh, some of that, uh, maybe the lion's share of that uh, German volume. Now, they won't get it all. We'll get some of it. Uh, I think it will help our exports uh, as, as Germany cannot ship to China. Uh, but uh, we're not going to get 40,000 metric tons a month, which is about what they've been shipping over there. They were the number two export, number three, Spain, the United States, and Germany. Uh, the United States and Germany have been very close in recent months. So, um, so that on the export demand, some positives. Uh, you know, had pretty good orders by uh, China this week uh, in the day or last mm -hmm. week in the export data that came out. Our shipments weren't great, just over eight thousand metric tons, but I think they booked twenty-eight and a half, which was a pretty good chunk for them. So that's that's a positive. Uh, on the domestic front. Uh, our calculations for July, real per capita expenditures, which we use as our measurement of demand, uh, puts us back year-to-date six-tenths of 1% lower. Uh, that's on virtually unchanged with a year ago. And that's a, that was kind of a surprise to me because we've heard all the trouble, and we know all the trouble about the food service sector, but it appears that at least for pork, uh, well, and actually the other two uh, major meats as well, the, the increase in retail has pretty well offset the decline in food service. And uh, that means that if we could ever get food service back, we might get a net gain there. But there's an interplay between those two. Obviously, people are going to have to eat. So they can't eat in restaurants. Maybe they're going to buy it in a, re a retail store. Um, it looks like uh, we've kind of had a, a settling of consumer demand. Now, you know, it was way down in April and May. It was way up in June. It was somewhat up in July, but year-to-date, we're just about dead even with last year on domestic pork demand, and I think that's good news. Interesting trends here through this pandemic. Steve, thanks for keeping us up to date. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mike. Good day. Steve Meyer, Kearns & Associates Economist. Well, we're going to take uh, a bigger look at markets uh, next with Arlen Suderman with StoneX as we head into harvest time. We're going to look at export numbers and uh, what... What about this uh, continuing harvest rally? What, uh, what does he see ahead? We'll get his thoughts coming up next. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing 
top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. USDA confirming this morning that more soybeans have been sold to China, announcing a flash sale of 264,000 metric tons. That makes it 852,000 tons announced sold to China this week, not including sales of soybeans to unknown destinations. Weekly export sales totaling 2.46 million metric tons for the week ending September 10th, according to USDA, within expectations, as expected, China the main buyer this week. Meanwhile, sales for corn and wheat this week were within expectations. An hour into the trading day in soybean futures, the new crop November up three and three quarters at 10.15, January up four at 10.19. In corn, December up three quarters of a cent, near unchanged, 3.72 and a half. March up a quarter of a cent, 3.81 and a quarter. Chicago wheat, December contract up three quarters of a cent at 5.42 and three quarters. Kansas City, December up a penny and three quarters at 4.76 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat, December up a penny at 5.32 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle and in feeder cattle pulling back on this Thursday session, lean hog futures trending higher. October hogs up 70 cents at 65.90. December up $1.50 at 6347 Live cattle futures, October down 52 at 106.20, December at 111.30, down 65. We saw cash cattle activity yesterday on a live basis at 103 to 103.50, generally $2 higher compared to a week ago. Feeder cattle, October 65 cents lower at 141.77. The Dow down 134 points. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, each week we talk it over with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. He joins us now. Arlen, thank you for being with us. Let's start with the uh, export sales numbers. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Well, pretty impressive, but also fairly well expected. I do think it is what helped change the tone in the markets this morning. We were kind of up overnight, and then we got the TRQs from China for 2021, which were a major disappointment for the trade. We went negative, and then the export sales came out, and that gave it a lift again. So it had a positive psychological impact on the market, even though it wasn't a surprise. So everyone kind of now seeing uh, what we've kind of, looking at the pace of trying to get to those phase one commitments with China, but also looking at are we on pace to meet USDA projections for export sales? Where do we, where are we in that, uh, that scenario? Yeah, the marketing year started September 1 for the 2020-21 marketing year. And so we had a bunch of advanced sales, which we normally have some, but uh, this year they were unusually high due to China's aggressive buying spree. And we had other countries, I think, stepping up in there as well when they saw China buying. And so if you look at corn, we exceed the seasonal pace needed to hit USDA's target right now in export sales year to date by 107 million bushels. Whereas with soybeans, we exceed that seasonal pace we normally start the marketing year with by about 300, a little over 300 million bushels. So those numbers would seem to suggest that USDA is going to have to push its target higher. Occasionally, you can have a big, strong start and fizzle late and still land up near the target, and the opposite can happen as well. But this still gives a bias to the bulls right now. Where are we with wheat and sorghum? Uh, with wheat, we exceed the pace by about 17 million bushels, I believe it is. With sorghum, we're at about 51 million bushels over the pace. So quite a reverse from last year when it seemed like we were always lagging the pace for each of these commodities, and USDA was having to revise its targets lower. Demand always feels better than a lack of demand. So if these sales continue, do we see uh, stronger markets of this rally through harvest time? Well, that's really possible. My concern near term, particularly for the soybean market, is that it is technically very overbought. So far, the brakes are being bought in this market. Every time it tries to pull lower, uh, it, it's unable to sustain that move. People are ready to jump in and buy it, but that does leave it vulnerable. Um, we did have disappointing news this morning with their TRQs. It broke, and those brakes got quickly bought, so that hasn't happened yet. But uh, producers need to be wary of that. The big key longer term is, is how much is China going to buy when it comes to soybeans? As we've said before, are they just bridging the gap until Brazil comes along with its crop after the first of the year when we know because of their currency exchange rates that they're going to have cheaper beans? Um, but then again, you also do have the risk with a La Nina, which tends to give a short soybean crop to Argentina. Argentina is primarily an exporter of soy meal and soy oil rather than soybeans, but that could send a lot of crush activity our way and increase our domestic demand. So that's another factor that trade's keeping their eyes on right now. Yeah, we keep a close watch on that uh, La Nina development. Um, so we've had some good news finally this week for the biofuels industry. Is that uh, enough good news for the markets to take note of? 
Yeah, that was definitely good news, but I think the markets right now are concerned about gasoline consumption. We've gone past now the summer driving season. We're starting to see gasoline consumption back off again and backing off from lower levels than what it would normally be. Um, we still have restrictions in many high-driving states that are keeping people parked, and with more people working from home, particularly in urban centers, are not spending as, time, as much time on the highways burning gas, which requires ethanol for blending. So we saw USDA pull back 100 million bushels on its ethanol corn demand estimate for this year. I think that was very justified. Uh, it could end up dropping it more. I, I, I don't think it would have been a good move to go more at this time. I think there's still too many unknowns, but it probably was prudent to do what it did. And, of course, we still have almost 600 million bushels of demand that we lost from this past year because of the shutdown in the spring that continues to weigh on this market and why we really need that export demand to China to use up those surplus bushels. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. Well, we're starting to get into some of the Midwest harvest and very close to a lot of uh, a lot of activities starting to pick up in the next week or so. Uh, how closely, uh, when we when we're watching those yield numbers starting to come in and started getting those reports, how closely does the markets watch that? They are watching it, and every trader has his sources. Um, from to get yields from the field to see what they're doing. And overall, we're seeing kind of as we expected, we're seeing some very good yields, we're seeing some poor yields, and it pretty much depends on where the rains fell in, in July and August and where they did not. Obviously, the derecho had an impact as well. Um, so I don't think there's any real surprises out there yet to this point, at least not surprising to me. There is a fair amount of variability. Uh, we are still looking at the possibility of a strong national corn yield overall near record high levels, um, but we don't see the consistency needed to get that big super crop that I think we were looking toward earlier this year. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting as the numbers start rolling in. We're going to get more and more as each day passes now. Um, we will also keep an eye down in South America about their planting weather. What's the latest there? They could start planting soybeans on September 15th, so uh, two days ago was when they legally could start planting soybeans in most of the major producing areas. Uh, there were some irrigated soybeans planted. Um, there's a few areas starting to get a few showers in far northwestern parts of the belt and plant, but overall farmers are on hold. The expectation is that we're going to see rains start to increase as we turn the calendar to, to October. Um, confidence isn't real high in it, but if that happens, then I think we'll be in fairly good shape overall for a good crop there. If it delays any longer, we could still have a strong soybean crop, but that raises a lot more risk to the corn crop. In fact, their soybean yields tend to be best when they plant, uh, maybe mid-October or later. Uh, we certainly saw that uh, in the past couple of years. Um, but the Suprina corn crop, we really needs the soybeans to go in early so they can harvest early and get that crop planted early and get the acres in the yield. Um, so right now it's concerned. Argentina, very dry. They are expected to see some showers in the month of October before going dry again in November and December and January. So that may provide a little bit of a window there. But they're, they're still concerned about some frost and freeze 
concerns yet for their winter wheat crop here over the next week or 10 days. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at some general economic news. Uh, the Fed's keeping interest rates uh, unchanged. Uh, we're still waiting to see if Congress passes another aid package. Uh, what are you watching uh, in the general economic news? Well, the market was really disappointed with the Fed yesterday, saying that it's going to be a long path to reaching full unemployment. That suggests that the recovery in the Fed's eyes is going to take a lot longer than what the market had been pricing in. That does discount their their willingness to have some risk in the markets. Uh, We have been seeing a lot of money coming into the ag commodities of late. Even as crude oil and the equities have stumbled, the the money has been coming into the ags because right now that's the hot story. What we have to be concerned about would be a bigger stumble in the economy that would cause the funds to pull back their money altogether out of their so-called riskier assets, particularly if we would see the VIX go above 30. It's been trading just below 30 here in recent days. When it goes above 30, I've observed throughout uh, the years that it becomes difficult for any commodity to sustain a rally unless it's got a real strong story. So that's one of the keys that I'm watching. What about the strength of the dollar compared to other currencies? Well, the dollar fell better than 10% from its March highs, and that helped stimulate the, the rally in the commodity sector overall. We have bounced off of the dollar indexes, bounced off of the 92 level where there was some key support. Um, various technicians disagree on how far we're going to bounce off of that level before we retest the 92 level, presumably. Um, longer term, a lot of that's going to hinge on the euro. I've been concerned about the euro's ability to sustain a rally. The dollar needs the euro to be able to sustain a rally in order to continue lower to boost the commodity sector. The European Central Bank has really taken notice of how the weakness in the dollar has pushed the euro higher, and they're looking to try to implement some policies that would weaken the euro. So this is going to be one of the challenges over the next few months that I think may help keep the dollar from going any lower near term. Final question real quick. What's the biggest um, market mover for the next few weeks, harvest numbers or export numbers? Well, I think harvest numbers are going to play a big role, but uh, demand seems to make the headlines. So they're going to be watching not just export sales, but export shipments on a weekly basis to see what China actually does with the purchases it's made. All right, so we'll keep a watch on that. Always good to talk with you, Arlen. Thanks. Talk again next week. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with Stone X. All right, coming up next, the dairy industry, National Milk Producers Federation, uh, working to provide information for producers dealing with uh, a number of different uh, huge challenges. Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation will tell us about this resource that they're making available to producers. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? 
It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF. We create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. When it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel energy. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. 
recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, we have the latest beef and pork export numbers, and here with those numbers and some uh, analysis of them is Aaron Bohr, economist with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. All right, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Uh, how do the uh, latest numbers look? Thanks, Mike. Uh, I would say continued improvement. This year, we look at month-on-month change, which is not typical. We usually look year-on-year, but given obvious uh, crazy circumstances, we look back month-on-month for beef up 36% compared to June and pork up 7% compared to June, which pork never decreased as hard as beef. So that's part of that difference. And so an encouraging sign, although still below year-ago levels for beef and dipping below year-ago for pork. So clearly challenges, but improving trends. And the weekly data through August showed that that continued, and especially for beef. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, 2020 has certainly been a year of uh, extreme challenges to help dairy producers face some of those challenges. The National Milk Producers Federation has created a new web page offering natural disaster-related resources and information. And here to tell us about it with the National Milk Producers Federation is Alan Burga. Alan, thank you for joining us. Uh, give us a, a little look into this uh, web page and uh, what producers will find on there to help them. Well, this is a, a quick turnaround webpage that we put together as we saw the hurricanes approaching and you see the wildfires intensifying. And it's really sort of the brainchild of um, uh, Teresa Sweeney Murphy, one of our staffers, grew up on a dairy farm in California and I know is seeing a lot of friends who are, are being hit hard by these wildfires right now, you know. Dairy is a community. We all have a lot of friends. We all know a lot of farmers. And, and when you see what's going on with the wildfires and now these impending hurricanes, you know, not even withstanding that derecho that took place in Iowa a few weeks back, you're seeing a lot of resources that farmers are needing and a lot of assistance coming from a lot of directions. So we put together this this uh, natural disaster resources page. If you go to nmpf.org, that's our, our acronym, National Producers Federation.org, and just click on a big red bar in the middle of the page, you'll come to our natural disaster resources page. And we have wildfire resources. We have hurricane resources. We have general disaster resources. This is up-to-the-minute information that producers can use to help weather these storms and these fires. It's not as simple for an agricultural producer to simply evacuate as it is for a lot of other folks, especially if you have livestock. So we're trying to help people in a moment of need, and we encourage people strongly to visit these sites. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, it's a tough decision for anyone to evacuate their home, but if you're also leaving behind livestock, that uh, that makes it even a tougher decision. It is a tough decision, and you're seeing people wrestle with it all over the country right now. You see some of the images coming out of the Pacific Northwest where farmers are dealing with their herds in a blood-red sky in the background at midday. And you take a look at, at some of the powerful storms that are lashing producers in Florida and Alabama right now, and it's tough. You know, this is a life-and-death situation for some folks, except it's not just the people. It's the livestock. It's the folk, it, It's who you've been tending to. It's, it's the animals you've been tending to for years. This is your livelihood. This is your land. 
we're giving people the best advice we can to get through this the best way we can. Uh, there's no solution to a problem like this, but you help in the best ways possible, and, and our site is an attempt to do it, to, to do that, our part. And you've got your families, you've got your, your livestock, but you also, some a lot of these operations have their workers to think of, too. Yeah, and I'm glad that you bring that up. You know, there's been a lot of reports out of California and, and also in Oregon and in Washington about, you know, farm workers and some of the risks that they are facing right now. We actually have specific direction on our site from, from California and OSHA on protecting outdoor workers who are exposed to smoke from the wildfires. It, you know, it's not, uh, again, you're right, it's, it's not just the producer, it's not just the, the animals uh, and, and, and the other parts of operation, it's the folks who are working on these farms every day what can they do to keep themselves safe because some of these problems can have some pretty long-term implications and we want to make sure we get through this moment as best we can yeah already dealing with COVID-19 then you had floods and fires on top of it oh yeah I mean let's face it Mike if, if if you looked out your window right now and you started to see a shower of frogs raining down um, you wouldn't be surprised would you I mean, the, the, yeah. some of some of the, the calamities that people are dealing with here are are really biblical in nature, and and you're absolutely right. You put this on top of COVID nineteen and the challenges that have been faced there. You know, you deal with some of the assistance that that producers have been looking to. You know, from Capitol Hill, from state authorities, and we have some resources about you know disaster programs that may be on the horizon. Um, that that farmers may be able to take care of. That's also on our website if you go to nmpf.org. Um, these things play out, and they're difficult. And, and what we try to do is make it through together. We're talking with Alan Bjerga with the National Milk Producers Federation. Yeah, Alan, a lot of information to process, a lot of decisions that have to be made, sometimes uh, very quickly. You're trying to make the best decision at the time under adverse conditions. I mean, uh, producers are dealing with a lot right now. Yes. Yes, and, and that's why we have these resources for producers. Um, a lot of the issues on the farm right now are not necessarily the traditional issues because of COVID-19. You know, you think about the, the, the stresses that producers are under and the stresses that their families are, and this is everything from taking care of, of, of your animals to managing your workforce effectively, all this while you're distance learning your kids. I mean, there's so many things going on right now. You know, we also have a COVID-19 resource page on NMPF uh, dealing with coronavirus. We've just made that a permanent feature of our website. You can get that from the homepage. That has a lot of information for producers, processors, folks on the supply chain. This disaster page is another part of that effort of serving our members and the wider agricultural community as well. I would encourage anyone in agriculture to go to these sites because it can help them get the resources they need. Um, these are different times. They they demand different resources. Uh, very proud of the staff at NMPF that, that are coming up with these ways to assist folks in times of need. Uh, very proud of agriculture, seeing farmers coming together to work, to, to assist their neighbors and, and, and help one another's families. But it's tough. It is tough out there. Um, and and with everything that we have, the only way we're going to make through this is if, you know, we're talking about these issues. If you're talking about these issues, we're putting forth our resources and the efforts that we can and the ways that we can, and, and we pull through. Yeah, it's a physical stress and, and, a, and a mental and emotional stress they're facing and dealing with as well. Yep, yep, and uh, those resources are available too. Uh, we, we keep monitoring. What's the website again? 
It is nmps.org. That's National Milk Producers Federation. Um, if you just go to our homepage, I'll, I'll point out two spots. Um, since you know we are dealing with multiple crises, as you point out, um, on our red, we have a red bar. That's sort of the this this just in. Pay attention to this now. On that red bar, in the middle of the page, is a link to our disaster resources page. We also have a coronavirus page that you can find from the homepage too. We encourage people to check it out. Alan, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Alan Bjurga with the National Milk Producers Federation. We are out of time for today. Thanks for joining us. Much more coming tomorrow and hope you'll be with us right here. Be safe, everyone, and join us here on AOA.